Welcome to Talking Mopars, episode number 144. This is a replay of a live stream that I recorded Monday night just talking about the aftermath and the hauling of my new, to me, 1972 Plymouth Roadrunner 344 speed car, the one that I traded the Mr. Norm truck for. So I thought I would give my afterthoughts on the whole process and some of my plan. I went live um, on YouTube, actually, because I'm still restricted on Facebook for another you know, couple weeks or whatever. So um, I, I just kind of wanted to jump on and do a live and uh, just kind of say what was on my mind. So that's uh, that's pretty much what this episode is. And we'll be getting back to normal here soon. I know I've had a lot of requests to get back on Project Car of the Week. And uh, don't worry, we're going to get back to that. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned in to the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth. And I am your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter. And this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, I have to ask you guys a question. Is your Mopar protected? Whether it's sitting outside in the elements or inside the safe confines of your man cave, it's important to keep your Mopar protected. That's why I'm excited to announce that I'm now affiliated with a company offering an amazing solution for vehicle protection. They have everything from basic indoor shields all the way up to the top of the line platinum shields offering the very best protection to keep your Mopar safe, both indoors and outdoors from elements like dust, water, snow, and yes, even UV rays. Their products are guaranteed to fit and are backed by a great warranty. To find out more about my new affiliate, please visit TalkingMopars.com, click on the Affiliates tab, and follow the link to their website. If you need protection for your Mopar, don't worry, we got you covered. What's happening, folks? I don't expect many people to join me on this live on a Monday night because I'm a psycho. Um, this, I guess, is going to be episode number 144 of Talking Mopars. I usually don't do live episodes only on YouTube. I usually do them on Facebook, too, but I've been <laughs> temporarily restricted from live streaming on Facebook. So I'm sure you guys have heard the story already. Um, <laughs> what's up, Dean? Yeah, I uh, I was restricted on Facebook, so they decided to um, restrict me from going live on Facebook. So here we are, live on YouTube on <laughs> Monday night. Um, so for those of you that have been paying attention, I don't know who on YouTube also follows me on Facebook or listens to the podcast regularly, but... Uh, you know, cat's out of the bag. I traded the Mr. Norm tribute truck, much to uh, several people's dismay. Um, what's up, Busted Radio? I uh, I don't know. I just got this wild hair to throw the truck up and see what I could possibly get in a trade or what someone would be willing to pay me for it. I posted it for $30,000 now. <laughs> I know I'm the notorious lowball guy that chops people at the knees all the time. But I, I was curious to see because 
when I bought the Mr. Norm truck, I had $26,000 cash and I was willing to spend every penny to get that truck because I loved it so much. And I didn't end up spending all that money, thank God. But uh, I wanted to price it where I would be willing to buy it. You know, as crazy as that sounds. And if, if I'm crazy enough to do it, there's got to be another person crazy enough to do it. So that's uh, what's up, Joe's Mopar mess. Sort of stock Mopars. What's up? Thanks for joining me, guys. Here on a Monday night, we're all psychos. What are we doing? <laughs> um, I'm actually off work on uh, bereavement. My uh, wife's dad passed away. So figured, uh, you know, she's asleep now. I guess I can go live and, you know, talk to my talk to my pals. Um, so, yeah, I put the Mr. Norm truck up for sale or trade. And I got a couple of interesting offers. I talked about this on the last episode of the podcast. So if you haven't heard it, go ahead and jump back over there um, and uh, check it out. But I ended up trading it for a 72 Roadrunner uh, 344 speed car. It's already had all the metal bodywork and paint done. The engine and transmission are dropped in. The only thing I have to do to the transmission is uh, swap the tail shaft. Um, and uh, it came with a bunch of parts. I think the most, so far, the most expensive thing that I need to get for it, and I'm sure this will change, but uh, probably the seat covers. I need about $1,000 worth of uh, front bucket seats and rear bench seat covers for that car. And from what I understand, they're pretty hard to get right now. Um, but that's going to run me about a thousand bucks. I'm going to need some carpet. It's already got a new headliner. Um, and it's basically a painted shell roller. Um, I need to rebuild the suspension on it too, because I, I think a lot of it is original. Um, but it's an original four speed car came with a build sheet. As a matter of fact, I have the build sheet right here framed <laughs> and I also have a copy of it. So, um, I've never had a car that had a complete build sheet, um, and a fender tag and was a legit muscle car until I got the 72 Roadrunner. So I'm pretty excited about it. And it was the first trade offer I got. And it really shocked me. I was like, what's the catch? And there really was no catch. I mean, the guy, locally known he's got some really badass cars he's actually got a race car for sale right now it's a 71 charger rt it's got um i think a 500 inch uh big block blown um i don't have all the specs but i do know that it's got like 1100 horsepower um 1100 uh pound feet of torque it runs nines but it's certified for 750s i think and it's got eights in it no doubt about it uh, my buddy Pete, the guy who owns the car was having some problems launching it and he had to launch it in second gear. And I guess, uh, one of the track officials was like, yeah, this is easily an eight second car. And he's like, I had to leave in second gear. And they're like, Oh, okay. But, um, he's selling this car. It's got over six figures in it. So well over a hundred thousand dollars and he wants 50 grand. Um, he's got some health issues and, uh, he just wants to, kind of eliminate some of the bigger projects so and he's not going to be racing anytime soon so that's why he's getting rid of the race car and with the roadrunner he knew that it was just going to take up a lot of time i mean as any of you that have built cars knows uh you know you need a lot of free time to build cars and uh 
he was just he would rather just have something cool that he could jump in and drive and he liked the truck um he's already started making some modifications to it but he's the perfect guy to sell the truck to because he has the money to take care of it it's in a giant shop you know with a hellcat a daytona another charger rt he's got a, a 68 charger rt he's just got a ton of cool stuff so the truck went to a good home and i'm excited about the roadrunner because I, you know i keep looking at it and i don't really question whether or not i did the right thing but uh I question if I had kept the Mr. Norm truck, how long it would be before I could get another Mopar and have it in the same stage that this Roadrunner is in. And the fact of the matter is I can't afford to have the paintwork and bodywork and metalwork done like that is done to that car. And I don't have the skills to get it looking as good as it does. Um, it's a very nice car. Um, for me, too nice. <laughs> like I'm actually... I joke and say I'm afraid of the car because I don't want to scratch it and I don't want to, you know, I, I, I would much rather have a ratty shit box. Um, that being said, I'm super excited about the car and I shouldn't say I, I would rather have, but I'd feel more comfortable having a ratty shit box. Um, this car is going to be really nice. Uh, I have so many parts for it though. So I'm because it was a straight trade and there was no cash involved. I, I feel like I got the better end of the deal. And it's no secret. I mean, the truck probably was worth, you know, what I paid for it, $15,000. I was hoping to find somebody that would see the potential and coolness of the truck and be willing to pay what I would have been willing to pay. And I, I think Pete was in that boat. And he has enough money where it's like, yeah, cool truck. I'll take it here. Take this Roadrunner that I'm not going to finish. You know what I mean? And it's got a ton of original parts and new parts. Basically, I could put this car together, uh, have it running, and then go, okay, what used parts that I, what parts that I reuse that I should replace, and then just replace everything as I go. Um, so I'm going to kind of throw the car, to, I shouldn't say that. I'm going to put the car together and see where I'm at from there. Is this going to be the first time I've ever assembled a car, basically, from the shell up? But I have all the parts, and he was pretty organized about it. So we'll see how it goes. I want to document a lot of it on YouTube and uh, obviously on Facebook and whatnot. So we'll see how much of a train wreck it is when the, uh, the podcast guy tries to build a car. <laughs> you know what I mean? um, hey, thanks busted radio. I see uh, you said condolences to my wife. Um, Dean. Yeah. You know, I was never, to be honest with you guys, I, uh, my wife was never really that close with her dad in recent years. And I've never, I don't think he likes me. <laughs> um, he did have a 70 Roadrunner in vitamin C with the Hearst pistol grip in it though. So it was kind of uh, odd that he died almost to the day that I started making the deal um, with my own Roadrunner <laughs> with a pistol grip four speed. Um, but yeah, I hope, I hope, uh, wherever he is, wherever he is, I hope he's, uh, in a better place, but it's, uh, you know, life is short <laughs> and that's, it's kind of funny because when I even contemplated getting rid of the truck, a lot of people were like, don't do it. Don't do it. I I'm an instant gratification type of guy. I knew but what I really wanted. And I say what I really wanted because. I wasn't after a 72 Roadrunner. It just found me. And I'm so happy with it that, uh, you know, I'm going to roll with it. But uh, ideally, what I had originally wanted when I put the Mr. Norm truck up 
was a 70 Roadrunner to clone into a Superbird. And I had a budget laid out so that I could get the car. You know, if I sold the Mr. Norm truck for the price that I was willing to let it go for, which honestly was about 25 or 26,000, anything less than that, it wouldn't have been worth my time because the Roadrunners that I was looking at, I would still need between five and $10,000 to get to that next stage. Cause I was already pricing out uh, Superbird clone kits and they range anywhere from, you know, mid $3,000 for the basic, you know, not the best quality fiberglass, um, all the way up to damn near 30 grand. <laughs> um, I got in contact with a company that makes aluminum, uh, spoilers or aluminum wings. And, uh, they're currently in the process of building a metal nose cone. So those were the pricey parts. So, and there was a 70 Roadrunner that I was really considering down in California for 20,000. Um, but none of that panned out. <laughs> so now we have a, we have a 72 Roadrunner that I'm not going to be, uh, putting a giant wing on, but, um, hopefully this car, you know, once it's built and I have some fun with it, I might, I might fall in love with this thing and never want to get rid of it. You never know. But, uh, I'm ready to uh, see what happens with it, learn some stuff and be proud of a car that I built, you know, with the exception of the stuff that I couldn't do myself. So it's going to be it's going to be an adventure and I'm going to have to wait a little bit longer for my wing car. But I think if I did sell this car, it would get me even closer. So letting go of the Mr. Norm truck, like I said, I'm an instant gratification kind of guy. I didn't want to wait until I could afford to, you know, to, like if I were to buy this Roadrunner, uh, the 72 that I got. I wouldn't have the cash, so I had to make a sacrifice. So I made the ultimate vehicular sacrifice, and I let go of my dream truck. And I, I had my fun with it. Um, Pete changed the wheel out to a, a tough steering wheel, and I asked him if I could have the uh, wheel that I had on it um, as like a memento. And he's like, yeah, take it. So I have the steering wheel of the truck. So I have little bits and pieces of it um, that I will cherish forever. And I will someday try to buy that truck back. <laughs> um, but I ideally, you know, a lot of people, I think, were disappointed because, you know, I've had a couple tin grill trucks and I've kind of, you know, worked my way into that community, which is a great community. I love the tin grill Dodge truck uh, community. It's a bunch of cool people. Um, but my story with tin grills is not over. Uh, I do want to get another one someday. And I want to instead of a Mr. Norm's Grand Spalding Dodge Tribute, um, which I've already had been there, done that. Um I would like to do a talking Mopar's podcast tribute truck, you know, <laughs> with the same type of uh, feel as the Mr. Norm truck. Cause I really do love that truck. But at the end of the day, you know, I bought it as a promotional tool for my podcast because I'm such a fan of the high performance history of Mopar's. And I, I think I got that truck to the point where I, I was at a crossroads, either keep it, and do everything that I said I was going to do to it and still be years and years away from another muscle car or, you know, see what I could do about selling it or trading it. And the, I think the trade worked out perfectly. Um, so, uh, that's that. Let's take a look at this chat here. Um, <laughs> Joe's Mopar mess, bring it down to SoCal. We send all our interior work down to Tijuana. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sort of stock Mopar says he he's always wanted to do that, but uh, he doesn't want his car to disappear. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, 
Jeremy from Sword of Stock Mopars. Uh, yes, I did sell the 73. Um, I posted it for six grand. Um, the secret was that I would have taken three for it, and I did. Uh, but I negotiated to keep my Craigers. <laughs> so I kept the Craigers, sold the car for 3000 and that helped um, me buy uh, my uncle's car trailer. He had an old car trailer that he wasn't using. Um, he had a winch and an engine crane with it. And this is one of my uncles that has really nice stuff. Uh, as a matter of fact, he's got a 78 um, power wagon. Uh, it's a little short bed lifted on like, I forget if it's 37s or 38s. It's big ass tires and it's cherry. It's been in the garage ever since I was a kid. And I remember I was just over there buying the trailer. And uh, we were in the shop and I was looking at it and I said, you know what, Uncle Jim, <laughs> I remember coming in this garage as a child and looking up at this truck. And as a man, I'm still short enough to look up at this truck. It's so damn big. He's got an awesome roll bar in it. It, it, it screams 80s. Um, it is a rad truck and I would like to get it off of him someday, but I think my cousin <laughs> wants it. So. I may have to buy it off her. I'm not quite sure. But um, so I got this car trailer now. That'll help me in the future. Um, now I'm like, God, I wish I hadn't gotten rid of the shitbox race car. But I needed to get rid of that to get the trailer. And I'm sick of renting trailers and borrowing my friend's trailers. Now I have one of my own that I can hook up whenever I want. So that's just one step in me leveling up. You know, uh, that's as crazy as it is, you know, selling selling the Mr. Norm truck kind of snowballed into selling the dumpster fire. And I was that close to selling the van too. But then I was like, no, no, we're not getting rid of everything. <laughs> so the van is staying. I'm not going to be selling that thing. Um, that the story of the van is definitely not over in my hands. I, I said, I was going to build a podcast van. I say a lot of things on this show. And a lot of the people that know me know that. And it asked my wife, I changed my mind about stuff a lot. And I'm very impulsive. Selling, trading the truck, super impulsive, worked out for me. Um, selling the dumpster fire, super impulsive, worked out for me. Um, van, I'm not ready to let go of that one yet. I've got a lot of money into just parts and getting it to the point where I'm ready to start building out the inside and uh, creating the mobile podcast studio. So the van's not going anywhere for anyone wondering. Um. Busted radial. Yes, it is uh tawny gold with uh, a little bit of extra pearl in it to pop in the sun. And that's just on the exterior. Everything else is just regular tawny gold. Um, yeah, the 78 Powell wagon. Uh, it's funny, my uncle. So for I think it was either his birthday or Christmas a couple years ago, my aunt commissioned me to create a t-shirt form of his power wagon so i created a t-shirt and it says the mopar hunter on one side um and on the back it shows the grill of his power wagon and it says and it has the power wagon logo and my uncle's a huge bowling fanatic and uh, he was out bowling some tournament somewhere and he's like the mopar hunter you listen to uh, the podcast and stuff and he goes that's my nephew <laughs> uh, so i thought that was pretty cool but um yeah so I let go of the truck. I got this car now. So there's a little drama involving the car. So my van is currently in a state of not running. 
because I took the intake manifold and carburetor off it. It had a four barrel cast iron. It's actually a really cool um, 78 Dodge B200 shorty. It was optioned with the 36 gallon plastic fuel tank. So that's good. I don't have to worry about the tank rusting out. Um, but it was also optioned from the factory 364 barrel. So it still had the cast iron four barrel and the thermo quad on top. So I pulled that off. I'm going to put a uh, aluminum intake on it and probably just the Edelbrock 600 I have. But here's the thing. My buddy Brian, uh, some of you guys know him as uh, Dust Devil Garage. Um, I bought a Holly Strip Dominator and a Demon 750 carb from him. Um, and then I sold the dumpster fire. So I got those parts. They're somewhere in the United States. I don't even know where they are. He shipped them to me through uh, USPS and they're <laughs> it's disappeared. Um, I can, when I look up the tracking number, it's like, yeah, it's in transit, <laughs> but it's been in transit for days. So I have no idea what's going on with that. But uh, I was thinking, because I also have the full nitrous kit from the dumpster fire that I never got installed. And I sure as hell didn't sell that with the car. Uh, I was like, what if instead of the little Edelbrock Performer 318 360 intake and the little Holly 600, what if I put the strip dominator and the 750 demon on the van and then hooked up the nitrous to it? <laughs> it's crazy, right? Um, I thought that would be a fun little project. Good for YouTube. But the van needs to move. So for now, I'm thinking of just throwing what I have on it because obviously I don't have the Holly strip dominator. I don't have the demon carb yet. It's still somewhere in transit. Um, but I do have the other stuff to just get the van running because I need it out of the garage. Um, I can do what I need to do to the van out in the driveway, but I cannot build the Roadrunner in the driveway. I need it in the garage. So I get the car. I, I set up because I wanted to give myself some time. I set aside enough money for about two or three months of storage unit rent. Okay. Storage units up here for a 10 by 30 that would fit the car on the trailer. Now, this is just temporary. I'm not building the car in a storage unit. I just needed somewhere secure to park the car that I could um, spend some time and get the van out of the garage. Because my garage, it's a three-car garage, but the only way I'm going to be able to build this car in it is if I get it in there and then I put it on um, dollies or skates and turn the car uh, sideways. So that's how I'm going to build the car. It's going to take up pretty much all three bays of the garage. Um much to my wife's chagrin. <laughs> That's a different story. So uh, later, Busted Radio. Thanks for joining me, man. Um, <laughs> Dean, being impulsive is all about the triple win, win, win. Yeah, yeah. sometimes you win, sometimes you lose being impulsive too. So far, I've been okay. Um, so I go and I look at this storage unit before I even pick up the car, and I'm looking at it, and it's a 10 by 30, so it's pretty narrow. But just looking at it, I'm like, a trailer with a car can fit in there, no problem. My trailer's not that wide. Um, and 30 feet deep, no problem at all. I think the total length of the trailer is like 22 feet with a 16-foot deck. Um, so I'm looking at the way the storage unit is. And if this is the storage unit door, in front of it, there's two buildings and then aisles and it's a little bit offset and I'm looking at it and I'm a class A truck driver. I used to drive trucks over the road and it's a local city driving. Um, so I can back a trailer. That's not the problem. Um, and I'm looking at this 
at this spot and I'm like, okay. And I see three different angles I can take. And I'm like, okay, I'll be able to get it in there. No problem. Okay. So fast forward, I go pick up the car. That takes me a long ass time because <laughs> I wanted to make sure nothing was damaged because a lot of the interior pieces have been painted and I didn't want them touching. So I bubble wrapped all the interior panels that had been painted, um, bubble wrapped the new dash pad. A lot of people have seen the car and they see the dash and they see it's jacked up. I've got a new dash pad and it's a legit dash pad, not an ABS uh, cover for it. Um, so uh, I, I spend basically half the day just getting my truck loaded with all the parts, glass, all that. Um, and I load the car on and uh, head over to the storage unit. I get there, pull in, and I'm looking at it again. This time I have the truck and the trailer, and I'm going, okay, this is going to be a little challenging. I'm going to have to really, I'm going to have to really hit some angles here. So <laughs> to make a long story short, I tried all three angles, and I could not get the trailer positioned where I could basically follow it into the hole with the truck. Um, if the buildings were pushed like one or two feet forward, it was basically getting to the point where I was like, I'm going to have to take my bumper off to make this or just rip the bumper off. <laughs> like, cause I was getting so close and I was like, man, and I had my dad there spotting me. He's a horrible spotter, by the way. <laughs> um, I tried everything. And as a truck driver, I've never looked at something and I've talked about this, um, recently. I've never looked at a back end and said, oh, I can do that. And then failed. This is the only time in my life and my career I've ever failed at that. And I've been driving trucks for like, gosh, how long has it been? 10 years, I think something like that. Anyway. Um, so I have a decade of experience and it was a shot to my pride. I was like, man, I'm about to just drop the trailer right here, take the truck, go around and then hook up again. And then I was like, well, I'll still be in the same, same boat as I'm in now. I was I was looking at it because I'm pretty good at pool too. So geometry, <laughs> like, man, I I was looking at it and I tried so hard to get that car and trailer in that storage unit. It was going to cost me almost 500 bucks a month to store the car. So I had 1500 bucks set aside so that I had three months and I, I was hoping to have it done the van in, you know, the next week or two, you know, and that was before I realized that my wife's dad died and I was able to get a couple days off, um, to make some things happen. So anyways, I ended up having to take the car to my house, park it on the trailer in the driveway, put my car cover on it. And then I was like, shit, what am I going to do now? Cause for those of you that know this part of the story of the Mr. Norm truck, I had it stored at my uncle's house. Um, I call it my dad's property. There's a long story involved in that. So we'll just say my uncle's house. Um, there's a shop on it. And uh, I had parked the truck at my uncle's place, but he currently had a project in the garage. So it was outside. Okay. But it was covered, secured. It was perfectly fine. Um, it was being checked on and all that. Well, my uncle has throat cancer. So <laughs> him and my aunt called me up and said, hey, we're going to be gone for a week. The shop is now clear. Can, is it okay if we move the truck into the shop? You know, so it's safe because we're not going to be here to watch it. I said, yeah, that's perfectly fine. And I said, just be careful. The truck is very, very low. 
And my uncle kind of blew me off. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This isn't the uncle I bought the trailer from. And uh, he <laughs> he ended up breaking the front spoiler off it, the custom front spoiler, snapped it right off, right? Didn't tell me about it. Just threw the spoiler in the truck or, uh, yeah, in the bed of the truck, I think, or somewhere around the truck. My dad went up there, saw the spoiler, called me weeks later, not even when he first discovered it, called me weeks later on Father's Day. Say, hey, Chris, um, is there something wrong with your truck, the spoiler on the truck? And I said, no, why? <laughs> and uh, he said, oh, I came in and it was kind of laying and I, I immediately lost my shit because I was like, huh? And where I had backed the truck in, I had to take it. <laughs> here we go again with angles. I had to take a special angle because there was a really hard dip in the driveway. And I knew if I went on that straight on, I would fuck my truck up. So I, uh, I know exactly what my uncle did. He fired up the truck and drove it straight into the dip, busted the spoiler right off. The thing that really pisses me off about the whole thing is he, if he had called me and said, look, Chris, I fucked up. I'm sorry. <laughs> and you know, told me what happened, I would have respected that more than not telling me at all, waiting for my dad to tell me on Father's Day of all days, <laughs> and then trying to like, you know, remedy the situation like, oh, you know, he's going through a lot. Of I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fuck. He knows that's my prized possession. And he was too chicken to call me and say he was sorry. And I posted something on Facebook about this. And I never called him out on his bullshit. Right. I never called him out on this. Um, I never named him. I just said, hey, I'm, you know, this is I'm pissed because I didn't want to take it to any shows because the front spoiler, like if that's gone, there was going to be a bunch of questions like, hey, what happened to the front spoiler? And then I got to say, you know, I got to take the heat and just be like, yeah, I broke it off, you know, instead of throwing my uncle under the bus. So when I posted the thing on Facebook, it was basically like, man. You know, this is what happened. The spoiler's gone. I wish I could go to some shows, but I can't. And some people were asking me what happened and. I kept my uncle's name out of it, but I did mention, you know, don't let other people drive your shit. It's basically what I said that I said to myself, like, you know, I learned my lesson, never let anybody drive my shit. And uh, he saw that and took super offense to it. And uh, I just found out the other day because my last resort, because I couldn't find any other 10 by 30s in the area. So my last resort was to take my new beloved car, my new prized possession up to my uncle's house, the same uncle that can't tell me when he fucks my shit up. You know what I mean? So I, I'm super pissed at myself that I'm in this situation. And uh, I come to find, for some reason, my dad talked to him about the whole drama shit. And uh, he said he want, before he apologizes about fucking up my truck, he wants me to apologize for talking about it on Facebook. Like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> you know? So now I'm heated and I, I get the truck and trailer. I, I park the uh, trailer in the garage. I make sure there is nothing around the car. Because if anything happens to that fucking car, I'm going to lose my shit. And I, I have nobody to blame but myself, really, because I got myself in the situation. The van should have been running a long time ago. This one's been a problem. So I'm fighting my, my hatred of myself <laughs> and going if my uncle's holding some sort of a grudge for a Facebook post because he fucked up my truck and I'm pissed off about it. God, I could only imagine, you know, that car, if anything happens to it, I can't afford to have it repainted. I can't afford, you know what I mean? So this van needs to be running. I should be working on it right now, <laughs> but I need to get a podcast episode out. So 
the car is stored up there for now. Hopefully, it'll only be a week. Hopefully. But knowing me, it's probably going to be a month. Um, and that doesn't make me happy. I'm kind of I'm kind of holding myself accountable to that right now. It better not be a fucking month. I'll tell you that. But uh, I'm super worried about like if you fuck somebody's car up, especially their prized possession, do you hide it from them? Or do you say, man, I am so sorry I fucked up. I'll do whatever it takes to make it right. You know what I mean? And the fact that he's holding a grudge against me for calling it out without even naming him. Shit. Man, that just uh, that's like <laughs> that's a whole nother level of shit right there. But as you can see, I get a little bit worked up talking about it. But regardless, the van's going to get running. The car will be coming home and I will be building it and documenting the build. Um, sort of stock Mopar says, dude, got to love the driveway builds. Always fun having a neighbor want to <laughs> talk while you're lifting a rear and swearing to the car. God's lifted him. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> when I sold the dumpster fire, right, the kid that came out and bought it brought his trailer with a winch. And uh, the only thing that made sense was to push the car out into the street. So we get it out in the street and I go, well, it doesn't have a steering column. So <laughs> it's going to be a bitch to turn. So I said, let me go grab my skates and we can put the car on the skates. We put the car on the skates, go one push, falls over. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, let's let's just push the car back. And as we roll it, I can turn um, the tire and a bunch of my neighbors heard the commotion and came out and I was like, Oh shit, here we go. And I'm the guy, I'm that guy in the neighborhood. You know what I mean? So they come out and they're super cool. They're talking to me about the car. Oh, what kind of car is it? And the lady's like, it's a road runner <laughs> yeah, to the guy. Um, he's like, Oh, I thought it was a Chevelle. I was insulted when he said that, but different story. Um, so, they're like, oh, you're getting rid of the car. You know, you just put it on the craggers or whatever, you know, because I've been slowly doing little things to the dumpster fire. And uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny because uh, I said, yeah, well, I'm getting a I'm getting another car. And I was like, and I need to get that one out of the garage. And they all looked over to see my boogie van in the garage. And it's kind of like a little secret. <laughs> Not too many people in the neighborhood have seen it. And they're like, what is that? And I was like, it's a Dodge. It's a custom Dodge van. I was like, like a 70s van. And uh, instead of being all weirded out about it, they were all like, oh, cool. I was like, all right, you say cool now. We'll see. <laughs> um, so the van, it's going to be bitching. <laughs> but uh, the van, coincidentally, the van and this Roadrunner both have the same uh, wheels. They both have US mag uh, polished slots. Uh, so nice setup it's gonna be cool having both of them um i can't wait i was thinking about it when the roadrunner's done for longer distance um events i would like to tow it with the boogie van <laughs> i think that would be fun because it does have a little street machine look to it and i kind of want to keep it that way um i'm not really a stock guy i kind of like uh like day two so the roadrunner is going to be like my little day two build um but uh, yeah, the dumpster fire, you know, that's kind of a sore subject because it was supposed to be my race car for the No Name Nationals. And then the whole drama mess with getting out there with fuel and all that shit. Um, and I had to back out of the No Name Nationals. And then I was going to go just to be there and support my friends. And then I got screwed on vacation at work. So I was one day short. I couldn't get an extra day. 
to make sure I was back for work on Monday, which was super disappointing. And the flights, the flights into St. Louis were just all over the place. And the time was not on my side. And I was like, well, if I get an extra day, then I can work around the flights and just come in late or whatever the case was. And uh, it just wasn't working out. So I ended up canceling the No Name Nationals altogether. So now I'm stuck with this ratty car that I was going to build into a little race car for that event. So I was like, at the time, before I had decided to sell the Mr. Norm truck, I was like, all right, I'll just build a little shitbox race car. It'll be fun. Um, and now <laughs> that thing's gone. I've got more parts on the way. So now I'm like, what am I going to do with these? Sell them? I really, you know, it, it seems like I like selling shit, but I, I'm kind of a hoarder. I like to keep cool stuff because I never know when I'm going to run across it again, especially up here in the Pacific Northwest. Some parts are not very common. And uh, go find me a Holly Strip Dominator for a small block Mopar. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I kind of think it would be cool. I mean, fuel mileage would be a bitch, but I think it would be cool to kind of race out the van a little bit, you know? I'd like to troll some people and hit the nitrous on them. That'd be fun. Um, especially with the purge kit. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so the plan with the Roadrunner, once the van is running and out of the garage, at least I'll be able to move it around. And if I need to move it in the garage, I can, because I still have one side of the garage that I'll be able to use for um, easy services and things like that for my daily drivers or whatever, working on the van. So the plan with the Roadrunner, once it's home, catalog and inventory the parts. And I've already started to come up with a battle plan. First things first, I want to hear that thing fire off. It's got a fully rebuilt 340 in it. Um, it's a warranty block. Um, so I want to get uh, I want to get it running. I want to fire it off. Um, the transmission is not the original transmission to the car either. From what I understand, it's out of... Um, Pete's 68 charger. Uh, so non-original engine and transmission, which is fine. Um, it makes me feel a little less guilty if I decide to hop it up a little bit more. It's got a little cam in it, little comp cam. Um, I forget what the specs are. I got them laying around here somewhere. I have all the receipts for the engine build. Um, Pete owns an auto body shop, so I don't have any receipts for the paint and body. But uh, I tr he says he has $30,000 into the paint and body. And that's what it would have cost me to have done. And uh, that number seems crazy to me, but I also don't do high-end restorations, so I can't say. But I do know that paint jobs can cost up that up to that. And I do know that quality paint jobs just in um, materials alone, you can be upwards of $10,000, you know, well over 5000 So, you know, if you factored in labor and all the parts and all the materials and stuff, you know, maybe it is a $30,000 paint job. I don't know. Um, but it is a very nice paint. It's the nicest car I've ever owned. I'll say that. So I need to come up with a plan because I really don't want, I know that there's people out there praying for my downfall going, here he goes again, getting another project. He's not going to finish. And I feel it. I can feel it. And I feel it within myself too. Cause I had to have a pep talk with myself. And I said, dude, here we go again. You're getting yourself into the same position. The only difference is this is a legit car. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not a 69 Dart GT and there's nothing wrong with projects like that but for me i came to the point where i was like you know i had invested so much into the parts for my dart that i was looking at it, i was like i'm not even close to finishing this thing i'm gonna have way more money and this is how it usually is i was gonna have so much money into that thing i would have never gotten my money back out of it and this trade has allowed me to not only get the money like if somebody wanted to buy the 72 roadrunner 
I'd probably sell it to him for twenty five, twenty six thousand. Um, I don't want to sell it right now, <laughs> uh, but when it's built, it should be worth well over what the Mister Norm truck would have been. Um, you know, minus my labor and shit for putting it together, but I, I don't really count that. That's a learning process for me. So I'm just trying to figure out, uh, you know, how to go about building this thing. And the first thing that I thought to do, because it's already pretty much, you know, ready to go, I just got to hook up all the little stuff, um, is get it fired off. I think that would really motivate me to get the rest of it done. So I want to get it fired off and then just start building it out with what I have. Um, my friend Tad sent me a list. It's like a build list. And it's it basically lists in order all the steps you should take in restoring a car so that you don't have to go in reverse. And, uh, you know, so you go in the right order. So I, I was kind of looking at that. I, I need to, I need to have the car in front of me and know what parts I have available to know what is the best way to tackle the car. Um, cause I don't want it sitting in the garage for two years unbuilt that does not sound attractive to me. And I know I have to commit to doing work on it every day. And that's fine because I also want to continue to build the YouTube channel. And I think it would be fun to see a guy who doesn't, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so it, it'll be fun to get, and, and I have such a wide network of resources and resourceful people and people that know what they're doing that I have no fear in building the car. That's not the problem. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even though I call myself an idiot, sometimes I'm not a complete moron. So if anything, I'm resourceful. So, uh, I've had a lot of people reach out to me to help me if I need help and stuff. So that's appreciated. And I'll probably use a lot of that help. Um, even Pete, the guy I got the car from said he would help me and he's built several, you know? <laughs> so, uh, it's not, it's not the act of building the car that I'm worried about. What's worrying me is the schedule of doing it. So I figure if I get in there every day, every day, and just crack away at it, I should be able to get it done. I would love to have it ready for next summer. And that's a huge commitment on my part because, as everybody knows, I'm a busy guy, you know, doing the podcast and all that stuff. So I'm going to really have to commit to being organized if I want this to work out. So um, I have to really sit down and just bite the bullet and make sure that I prove all the doubters wrong, that I can do this, that I'm capable of doing it. And that, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to puss out, not going to back down. Uh, I'm going to get that car done and I'm going to drive that thing and say that I built it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I think that's the perfect car for me to start with. And it's going to teach me enough so that when I do get the 70 Roadrunner to build a Superbird clone, I'll, aside from the paint, body, and metalwork, that kind of stuff, which I have, funny enough, I have so many resources for that kind of stuff that um, I'm surprised I haven't used them yet. And on this car, I really don't have to use them. So that might be something for the next one for now. Let me just put a car together, you know, that's basically a, a nice rolling shell with an engine and transmission dropped in with nothing connected to it. Let me just go from there. <laughs> so um, I, it's funny because I, I I like to name my cars and stuff, and I really couldn't come up with a good name for the Roadrunner. So I just called it Assembly Required. And then when I shortened it, 
it was ass wrecked <laughs> a s s r e c q <laughs> um or r e q d <laughs> ass wrecked <laughs> which is probably what this car is going to do to me um so i'm going to be knee deep in that car i'm so behind on so much other stuff like my poor subscribers you know if if you guys are listening to this at any point thank you so much for you know supporting the show um I was just looking at how many episodes I'm behind for the bonus content. I'm about four behind three, three behind on the podcast episodes. If you include this month of before and the bonus videos, I'm behind three um, or two. And if you include this month, um, it would be three. Uh, I can get all that stuff done too. And I'm hoping to get it all done so that I can be more organized because I have a really hard time. And this is where I have to I have to straighten my shit out. I have a hard time remaining organized. So I need to uh, batten down the hatches, <laughs> so to speak, and just do it. But I uh, I'm not doubting myself at all. I, I know I can do this. It's just a matter of really scheduling myself out and organizing myself. And I know that that's not what you guys are here to talk about. You're here to talk about Mopars. <laughs> so my organizational skills or lack thereof. Um, are not very fun to talk about, but the car, I, I can't explain to you guys how it feels to get rid of a, a vehicle that you chase in the Mr. Norm truck, the vehicle that I chased for five years and I finally got it, had my dream truck. And it's weird because maybe other people think differently, but I like, it would be like if you, if you had always wanted a, a super bird and you finally got one, now that chase is over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now you got the car. That's kind of how it was with the Mr. Norm truck. I chased it, chased it, chased it, got it, drove it around, went full circle, took it back to the show that I saw it at, got to cruise it with my daughter. Um, the only thing left to do to that truck was to build out the suspension, put a full custom frame on it so it would handle like it was on rails, and then put a modern Hemi in it. Or if I came across the money, a second gen. But I knew that wasn't going to happen. So. With that left, I was like, you know, where am I going to be when I do that to the truck? Uh, it's not going to change my feelings on it. It might be a little bit faster and handle a little bit better, but I still love the truck. You know, it's not going to make me love it more or less. So at that point, I, I basically came to the conclusion that my story with that truck was pretty much, we were in the last couple chapters. Um, and this was like a... a, a a late in the game, choose your own adventure <laughs> where in the last couple chapters, I have an option to go do this instead and create a whole new story with this roadrunner. So that's, that's the road I opted to uh, go down. Um, God, the truck is badass. I said, when I go over there and I see it, I'm like, Oh man. And Pete jumps at it, fires right off. And it just has that nice little cam in it. And I'm like, Ooh, and I haven't gotten, you know, the, the remorse, like the buyer or seller's remorse. Um, surprisingly, uh, I'm really happy with where the truck went, but I'm so stoked about the opportunity that this roadrunner presents that, uh, you know, when I see the truck, it's like, Hey dude, what's up? See you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm so pumped about this car because like I said, it's the nicest car I would ever be able to get my hands on. And the only way I was able to do it was by sacrificing my beloved truck. Um, but there was one thing that kind of bothered me about that truck, and it always never sat well with me. 
but I knew I was, I knew what I was getting myself into, but it was the fact that every time I talk about the truck and people talk to me about it, if they ask me questions, I only feel that it's right to say that I wasn't the original visionary of the truck and that I didn't do the paint work, you know? So it was a truck that I never really, you know, aside from buying it and enjoying it, I hadn't really dug into it to the point where I could be like, yeah, I could, I, this is mine. I built it. And I would never be able to say that fully, you know, it's kind of different with this roadrunner because I mean, I, what I say, oh yeah, somebody else did the paint body work and it, the engine was professionally rebuilt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Other than that, I've touched everything on the car. <laughs> so um, that doesn't bother me nearly as much as having to, and it wasn't that it really bothered me. It was just kind of like a, and it wasn't really a shot to my ego or anything. It was more like a, oh, I got to tell this story again, how it wasn't me that did it. Oh, I, you know, cause people would be like, that is so awesome. How'd you come up with it? And it's like, hold it right there. <laughs> um, the truck was awesome to own. It was fun. I tried to make it as famous as possible. <laughs> That's why I, in my ad, I put it was the famous, the most famous tin grill on planet earth. <laughs> it was funny, but um, yeah, the truck is in a great and this Roadrunner, man, it is so cool. Uh, I think I had it on the trailer for five minutes, pulled into the first gas station, and the the whole car and, and trailer weren't even in the driveway completely before somebody was like, nice car. And that, you guys know as car people, when somebody compliments your car, makes you feel good. Um, it made me feel good, but it made me want to build the car so that when people talk to me about it, be like, yeah, you know, I got it paint and body work done the engine was dropped in transmission was dropped in but everything else i did you know, i built this car it's like a lego um and then the next car i get or then maybe the next 10 grill i get um i'll be able to do a, a lot more to it and i'll feel more confident because if i did there was a roadrunner i was looking at, i think i told you guys about it earlier a 70 roadrunner in california um i believe it was a numbers matching 383 car uh 727 on the console a uh, very cool car needed some uh, needed a roof skin um it was pretty solid it was originally uh yellow uh with white interior i thought it would have been a great superbird uh tribute car um i probably it's as funny as it sounds i probably would have been more in over my head with that car than this one the only thing i don't like about this project and that i would like about the other roadrunner more is that i would be the one taking it apart because i like when I take things apart, I'm super, super organized about it. Now, all those parts may end up on the shelf and I may not ever put the car back together, but uh, at least I know where everything is and what everything was. Um, this car isn't too bad in the sense that there's really not much to it at, to it at this point, you know. So we'll see what happens. I'm pretty excited about it. And I, I think the win will be when I get into it fire it up and drive it down the street the first time. I think that's when I'll finally go, okay, this is it. And uh, driving that car may give me a, an entirely different feeling than the Mr. Norm truck did. I loved driving that truck. Everywhere you go, you know, people love it. It makes you smile just because people, it makes people smile. And for me, you know, I'm kind of a people guy. I like people and uh, most of them anyway, some of them, <laughs> um, but uh car people that can appreciate a cool car, uh, I appreciate those people and they make me smile when the truck or whatever car vehicle I'm driving makes them smile, makes me smile. And that truck had that. Um, 
I don't know if this Roadrunner will have that same effect. I don't think so because the truck just sticks out so much. Um, Pete's kind of a low-key guy too, so it's going to be kind of funny. He's a low-key guy, but damn, he's got some flashy shit. <laughs> I'm like, man, you're going to get a lot of attention in this truck, but you're talking to a guy who has a, a wing car, um, a very, very well-done clone, I should say. Um, I know some people reached out to me talking about that, but it's a wing car, period, and it's awesome. <laughs> I, I would give my left testicle for that car. Uh you know, he's got a Hellcat wide body, um, a 68 Charger Resto mod on air with a 500 cubic inch stroker in it. Um, very cool car. Uh, one of my favorite cars that he has is a 71 Charger RT that has a uh, modern Hemi swap in it. But he custom built an intake so it would take the original um, oval air cleaner, uh, the whole assembly. And uh, he custom built the base for it. So when you look at the car, it looks like a 71 Charger RT. It's got the Ram Charger hood. You look through the Ram Charger hood and you see the oval air lid, um, the air cleaner. And you're like, oh, cool. Uh, then you pop the hood and you go, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, unexpected, very clean car. Um, but yeah, for a guy who's low key, it's like he's got some pretty flashy shit. Uh, so I think it's funny um, that he's like, he told me that the, that the truck is like, you know, he goes, you've already put it all over the internet. I don't got to do shit. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. But uh, it's going to get recognized. I'll tell you that. Um, but uh, yeah. So I'm happy that the truck is gone because of what it brought me. So I, I can be thankful to the truck <laughs> because it brought me something very, very cool that I'm very excited to have. Um, but I need to get it home. I need to get it home and I need to get that van running. So I guess. We'll cut it off there. That's almost an hour. Um, this podcast was basically just to bring everybody up to speed. I know the last episode I talked about, the, but now that it's done, these are my thoughts because it, it's done now. Oh, I don't know if I told this story. So when I went to uh, Pete and I traded straight across. So his car for my truck and we basically set a, a, our own value on the vehicles. I had a little... I had a, a trade declaration basically of I so-and-so am trading this vehicle that's worth this for this. And then the next party says I so-and-so and the same thing um, just reversed. And we valued them at $8,000 a piece. Now, I know what you're, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> and we did that because if we got taxed, we wanted to keep the tax low, but we were anticipating no tax because it was an even trade in our eyes. Well, in the state of Washington, they don't look at it like that. So I go to the licensing office and I say, yeah, I'm here to do this trade and get my title. The guy looks at the paperwork and he goes, okay, uh, 71 or 78 uh, D-150 for a uh, 72 Plymouth Roadrunner. And then he's like, you could see his wheels turn for a second. He goes, hey, wait a second here. And then uh, he goes, we have to go by book values and yada, you know the story. So... He looks up NADA on the 78 D-150, and it came out at $1,100, what the truck was worth, okay? <laughs> and then uh, he pulled up the NADA on the Roadrunner, and it came in at 11300 So I was like, all right, great. I'm going to have to pay the difference on 1000 bucks." And I, I, was, I was raising a fuss. I was like, this is so ridiculous that we both value these vehicles the same, and the state still has to weasel their way in and try to steal money from us. 
even though they have no business in this other than making me a piece of paper that I'm more than willing to pay for. <laughs> but they want to tax me almost a grand. And I'm like, this is so fucking ridiculous. And uh, I said, I know my truck's worth more than $1,100. I promise you that. And he goes, well, according to this. And I said, let's pull up Haggerty. And he goes, uh, well, and he kind of, he was kind of dancing around that. And the lady next to him behind the counter was like, oh, we can use Haggerty. And I was like, thank God. And I pulled up my phone because he was battling me on it. I pulled up my phone, pulled up Haggerty. I just wrote 78 Dodge D-150 value and Haggerty pulled up. And I said, look at this. And I said, the most recent one sold for uh, 53000 or something crazy. And uh, he was like, whoa. And um, so they pulled up the Haggerty site, typed in 78 D-150. And true story, believe it or not, the truck valued at $11,300. The same exact amount that NADA valued the Roadrunner at. Because either way, I was going to be stuck paying the tax on the difference, right? So I'm going, holy shit, what are the odds? And then I look and actually, hold on a second. I think I actually might have proof that this story is true. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. I notice. Let's see if you can see that. 11,300. You see that? My truck was not a six cylinder. He fucked up. <laughs> the way this would have valued out, my truck actually would have valued more than the Roadrunner based on the difference between Haggerty and NADA. And the girl said that most of the time, Haggerty is lower. And I was thinking in my head, that is not the case at all. What the hell are you talking about? But I let her play it. This is the one they pulled up for the Roadrunner. I'm not shitting you. 11,300. You see that? <laughs> How crazy is that? <laughs> so for those of you listening to this as a podcast, I kept the um, printout from NADA and the printout from Haggerty. Uh, because I thought it was so crazy. Like, how nuts is that? That it was the exact same value. What are the odds? And I didn't have to pay a cent in taxes. <laughs> I mean, I, at first I was ready to just, you know, throw my card up on the table and go, all right, whatever it is, just make it happen. Because this trade's going to happen no matter what. <laughs> but uh, I officially own the car. And... Uh, didn't have to pay Washington state. So I think that's where, where, uh, I'll end this episode. It's 1145. It's almost midnight. I need to get some sleep. Um, cause I got a big day tomorrow, uh, getting this garage ready, getting this van going, um, and bringing that car home. So thank you all for joining me on this Monday night. Um, there's been a consistent six to eight of you guys in here. You guys are soldiers. I don't know. I don't know if you guys got to work tomorrow. If you do, man, you're crazy. Go to bed. Um, if not, it, it, regardless, thanks for joining me here on uh, Talking Mopars episode number what 144, I think I said. It's either 144 or 145. Um, it's been fun. Um, I'd like to get back into the lives. One thing that people have been reaching, I've, I've heard this uh, quite a few times now. Um, people miss, uh, again, 
the old format of the show where I did uh, Mopar um, basically hunting. You know, I, it was a project car of the week. And I, I would just surf Craigslist until I found something cool enough to talk about on the podcast or what I deem to be cool enough or uh, conversation worthy. Uh, a lot of people said they missed that. So I'm probably going to do uh, some catching up for the subscribers with bonus videos on hunting Mopars. And then I'll, I'll bring back um, hunting Mopars for uh, just videos on YouTube and Facebook because it is a lot of fun. I do love looking at cars. Um, it's probably my biggest weakness is just looking at stuff for sale. And then I always end up finding something where I'm like, God, I wish I could get that. <laughs> like, I think that's a car guy thing or a car, a car person thing. Um, that there's always something better. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't even know if it's something better. It's just something else, something else that you find cool. I have that problem. If I had, if I had the room that my buddy Pete has at his place and a lot of money, the place would be stuffed. <laughs> He's got such a giant shop. It's not even funny. I'm so envious. And when I look at it, all I can think of is if I keep working hard and just keep my nose to the grindstone, maybe someday I can afford something like this too. Um, a lot of people look at that kind of stuff when they see somebody with a lot of stuff that they wish they had. And they're looking around like, what does this guy need all this cool shit for? It's like he worked his ass off for it. You know what I mean? And I don't like that mentality. I don't like that mentality of, oh, man, must be nice. Fuck, I hate that. I hate when I hear people, oh, must be nice. And I say it in joking sometimes, like, man, that must be nice. <laughs> um, but never with, like, any type of vitriol. <laughs> you know, you hear, must be nice, man. <laughs> you know, that kind of shit. And it's like, dude, the guy worked his ass off. You know what I mean? He deserves everything he has. And uh, I would love to be in that position someday where some asshole saying that to me must be nice because I'm going to go. Yeah, it is really nice. Once you get done working your ass off and you get to relax with all the cool shit you earned with hard work. Yeah, it is really nice. You should try it sometime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, not everybody had a free ride. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So for those of you out there listening, um, you know, maybe maybe you're that person that sees somebody with a lot of cool stuff and you go, oh, it must be nice. You know what I mean? Hey, everybody starts from ground zero, you know, most of the time, <laughs> you know. Uh, so it is a level playing field. You know, I, I know that a lot of people, oh, it depends on where you grew up and stuff. It's like, I, put me in a third world ghetto and I'll figure out a way to get out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I don't know. I hope. That anybody out there that sees people with really nice things, you know, they got three wing cars or, you know, <laughs> just a collection of badass shit. Before you go, must be nice. I want you to think about what you're doing in your life that is preventing you from having that stuff. You know what I mean? Um, sometimes I, I sit and I go, shit, I could have gotten some stuff done tonight, but I was too busy looking on Facebook or doing something stupid that I didn't need to be doing. I hate myself when I do that. Um, there was years where uh, when talking Mopars didn't exist and it was just the Mopar Hunter where I was constantly, because I, I basically built the page by hunting Mopars and sharing Craigslist ads and getting people to reshare from my page and just to build the following. I was spending hours and hours and hours a day long before 
like search tempest or any of these things that made it easier to search for cars um there was a lot of late nights where i should have been sleeping and i was hunting mopars on craigslist uh to post them for the next day to get them ready because i was posting like average six cars a day um and they had to be different and it got to the point where i was starting to notice that maybe i had posted that car before when it was somebody else's or the car's been for sale for months so it was funny but it you know that's the the climb you know what i mean when i was looking at this roadrunner and uh when i was sitting on top of that car trailer i was thinking to myself god i've worked my ass off just to get to this and i still and still i look at a guy like pete and i go look at all the shit he has and i'm sitting here like looking at the 72 roadrunner like it's a, a made of <laughs> you know what i mean but it's like that's what hard work will get you you know what i mean so i gotta keep working hard i, I was thinking about it and i was like i bought the dumpster fire with money that i made from facebook videos and then i sold the dumpster fire and bought the trailer and then i look at the trailer and i'm going wow i've wanted a car trailer for so long so long worked my ass off and uh you know some there's a little bit of luck a luck sprinkled in on that but you know looking at it, i'm like wow when you see the results of you working your ass off it feels pretty damn good i'm sure a lot of you guys that are going to be listening to this in the future as a podcast or that are watching this right now you've got nice stuff and you look at it and you go damn i worked my ass off for that doesn't that feel good man i love that like i look at the roadrunner i go man I sacrificed my dream truck to have that car and it elevated the car for me. You know, I know that there's a couple of people that I know that are like 72 roadrunner, huh? Cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, you and I look at that car differently. Trust me. Um, but for me, the car on that trailer and me pulling it with my truck, uh, was a culmination of years of starting from zero building something from scratch something is stupid and you know i shouldn't say stupid something as basic as a facebook page anybody can do it and anybody can grow and buy whatever they want if they work hard enough every time i see a superbird or a daytona and i go man i wish i had that the thought in the back of my head goes you can asshole <laughs> you just gotta work hard you know what i mean work harder if you don't have it now you're not working hard enough <laughs> you know what i mean so it's time to uh, get serious. It's time to uh, the hard part about the Roadrunner is going to be not only building the car, but creating content from that and producing all this. And uh, it's going to be a challenge, but I'm up for that challenge. And I hope you guys are willing to join me. That being said, I think that's it. Thanks for watching, my friends. Until next time, my name is Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter. And this was talking Mopars until I hit end broadcast. Have a good night. Enjoy your week. We might see you guys this weekend. There you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For everything you need to know about this podcast or to listen and subscribe to the show, please visit TalkingMopars.com. And don't forget that you can send me your Mopar stories, questions, comments, complaints, suggestions, and everything else on your Mopar addicted mind to Chris at TalkingMopars.com or leave me a voice message on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR to hear yourself on the show. 
If you want to help support the show, you can pick up some cool merchandise in the Talking Mopars merch shop. There you can order products like t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, mugs, and more. And you can find that at TalkingMopars.com in the merch shop. Another way to help support the show is by becoming a supporter on the Talking Mopars Facebook page. By becoming a supporter on Facebook, you will get access to exclusive bonus content, and you will be entered into our monthly supporter giveaway, where you will get a chance to win something fun related to Mopars. Special thanks to my friends over at DIY Hemi for their unwavering support of this podcast. If you are considering swapping a modern Hemi into your classic Mopar, go give my buddies at DIYHemi.com a shout and tell them I sent you. They'll be more than happy to help you out in their mission to hemi-swap the world. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.